Are you ready? Ready to release internal pain? To find confidence, clarity, and direction for your future? To live a life of meaning, fulfillment, and contribution? To trust your intuition again, but something's been holding you back? You've come to the right place. Welcome. I'm Ian Hawkins, the host and founder of the Grief Code podcast. Together, let's heal your unresolved or unknown grief by unlocking your grief code. As you tune in to each episode, you will receive insight into your own grief, how to eliminate it and what to do next. Before we start, I have one request. If any new insights or awareness land with you during this episode, please send me an email at info at ianhawkinscoaching.com and let me know what you found. I know the power of this work and I love to hear the impact these conversations have. Okay, let's get into it. Hi everyone, it brings me great pleasure to bring you this week's guest, uh, a man I met uh, a few months ago at the Bulldogs, he's doing some really powerful work in the community, but he's also got an incredible story from everything he's been through in, in his life, um, football and away from football. Welcome Luke Goodwin. G'day mate, how are you? Going really well buddy, how are you? Very well, very well. Can we start with how... How have things been for you in the environment that you've had to work in, given that while well, a lot of businesses completely stopped, you kept going and the work that you do was needed more than ever, right? Yeah, that's right. So um, being in the bubble at the Bulldogs, it has been, uh, it's been tough, it's been challenge, challenging. Um, but I think the big key message for us from when it started was about, uh, we're all in this together. Um, we're staying connected. That, that was a big thing during the time, and that's everybody, even if you weren't in the bubble, checking on each other. Um, but because we were all in it together, um, it did make it a lot easier. Um, there's 50 in the bubble. So, yeah, it was. Yeah. although there were some challenges, mate, we were allowed to be back doing what we love, and that's footy, so we're quite blessed. Yeah, awesome. And so are you getting just as much satisfaction about being involved in that football club environment again at, at that NRL level? Oh, definitely. Yeah, I've been out of the game for a while. Uh, although my brothers, you know, play and you watch and, you know, I'm lucky to do some coaching and some administrative roles, Australian roles. Um, when I finished, I've been out of it for a little bit. So, yeah, to be back with a club I had a bit of success at, a club I, I dearly love. Um, and and at that level, yeah, I'm, like I said, I'm, I'm thankful every day. I know Stephen Price says it doesn't feel like a job. I turn up to to work and I love what I do. So, yeah, yeah. it's great. Yeah, and that passion really shines out. That was one of the first things I noticed when we met each other and, and we talked about the work that you were doing, but also the work you really wanted to implement there at the Bulldogs, that it just lights you up and gets you so excited. So why why is this work so important to you and why does it get you so excited? Yeah, I think uh, as a mixture of a few things, um, I think the thing that led me down this path was um, a massive hurdle or challenge or crisis I'd I faced um, in 2017, um, uh, my older brother, who, you know, is, you know, anyone with an older brother you look up to as, as your hero, as your mentor, um, someone I live with, you know, shared a bedroom with most of my life. Um, he, unfortunately, he ran into some tough times um, and took his own life. So from that day, you know, it was a bit of a slog for the, for the remainder that it was in a march 
2017. So main that year, I was, yeah, I had a lot of changes in my life. Um, I'd separated from my wife of what, 23 years. I have three daughters, so that was tough on them. And, and also, you know, the challenge, uh, I was working FIFO work, fly in and fly out. So the challenge of being away from family when, they, when I needed them the most than they probably needed me uh, yeah. was very, very challenging. And then, yeah, and then, you know, some other people coming into my life. Uh, my fiancé now, you know, really gave me hope. I didn't think it would happen so quickly or I could find someone, um, you know, that I could love so deeply, which is um, refreshing because uh, that was scary, thinking you'll be by yourself for the rest of your life. And then I studied. I, I studied you know, so I'm 47 years old and it took me, you know, 45 years to think, okay, I should do some studying. And I studied for a year and a half with her, you know, with her Monique support. Um, and it, yeah, it changed my life because I wanted to know why, why my brother did what he did. I wanted to understand it more and I wanted to make sure that no one went through or goes through the pain that I felt. Um, it, it's not, it wasn't a great time. No, and, and like you said, you throw all those other elements of your life on top of that i can't imagine how difficult that was well all that piled up particularly if you were doing that the fifo work and you're you're on your own in a very uh what blokey environment where you perhaps aren't getting to grieve how you probably needed to at the time no and you know you go to work do your 10 hour 12 hour days you come home you sit in the bedroom you look at the walls so much time to think yeah, it was tough, um, but staying connected and, and, you know, there's people I needed to hear from and, and people that just sent the odd text out checking on me, you know, it gets you through. Um, and also with the loved ones you have. Um, and like I said, what he started me on this journey and, and although I wish he was here, I'm, I'm thankful for that. Um, and, and that's why I keep, you know, um, doing what I do because I don't want anyone to feel the pain I felt losing my brother. And... I'm not sure what it is. I've lost siblings, uh, not siblings, I've lost loved ones, grandparents and people close to me before. But, um, and it was sad, as you can imagine. But the pain I felt with his loss um, is something I've never felt before. And it, it, it might be a combination of obviously being a sibling, the way he did it and not knowing. Um, I think it's a combination of a lot of things. So, yeah, mate, it, it's tough. Yeah, and... You mentioned something to me yesterday that you said you hadn't really talked about, but is that something you're hoping, happy to explore today about that, the, uh, the, what you chose to do in that day? Yeah, it was a couple of days after my brother passed and I'd been away working FIFO, so i come home. And I don't know why I did it, um, because maybe it was the pain, the emotion of it all um, that I'd never felt before. So I actually did a recording of, like I said to you yesterday, I'd never, I don't think I've even told my fiance this, but I did a recording of myself um, just, and I don't know when I'm going to use it. I don't know in what, um, what area, but I, I did, I just mentioned that, you know, if you're feeling struggling out there and you're feeling the pain that, um, that you are, that this is not the answer. Um, and think of the people that love you because you might think, that you're releasing your pain and you're going to be better off. But I tell you, the people you leave behind, are, you're going to leave them in a, you know, in a worse way. So, yeah, it was very emotional. I'm not going to lie. Were, uh, I, I didn't get through a lot of sentences and there were a lot of tears. But, you know, maybe one day, yeah, 
I'll be able to share that with people. And, and you know, and, and like I said, that's my journey. I'm sure there's a lot of others out there. And, and that's another thing that, um, that gets me through is the shared experience with other people, you know, um, to let them know, hey, I've been through it and I can relate. You know, I was speaking to uh, Craig Garrett from the Panthers the other day and his brother took his own life. I didn't know that. So yeah, wow. we have that connection now and we spoke about it, you know. So, yeah, it's, you know, I'm not sitting here wanting people to feel sorry for me, but, I, you know, I'm here to help. Yeah, yeah. and uh, Sam's just waiting there saying, uh, incredible story, touching and relevant. I think a lot of rugby league players could learn and grow from your guidance. Well, that mm-hmm. was without doubt, and that's the work that you're already doing, right? And you, you talked yeah. to me yesterday about when you share this story that, that people get a whole un- new understanding of what you do because then they know why you do it and and the impact that this can have. And, and when you mentioned that video, to me, because I, I felt that deeply, how passionate you are when you were talking about it, is that that's going to give all of us an understanding of, of the impact that it has for those of us that haven't been through that. And so we also, you would have learned from your study and some of the things that I've seen as well is that when people are in that state, that it's, it's such a dark place that you don't even, you're not even thinking about anything past that moment because you can't see how you're even going to get past that moment. So there's obviously a lot of work to do and, and it's why it's exciting for you to, to be in this space now, being able to make the impact that you are. So what, what gives you the greatest joy from the work that you're doing? Yeah, well, there's a lot of things, um, you know, just, you know, I, you know, being there for the boys and the staff. Um, I think the staff are a bit neglected in, in that area. So I've, I've implemented the same type of strategies as I do for the players. Um, but it's just, you know, from my experience, so when I sit in front of somebody and, and I, I give them a quick five minutes of my story from where I've come from and where I am today, like you said, I'd like to think they take a lot out of that and think, okay, he's an ex-player, he's coached, he's had administrating roles in the game. Um, you know, I didn't study. When I, I thought I was playing football forever, I can remember my grandmother always saying to me, you need a trade, you need a trade. I said, no, nah, I'll, I'll, I'll play forever. Um, so there was that, you know, I, I could talk, I could hold a conversation. So I went into sales, bounced around five, six jobs till I found what I wanted to do. So... When I speak to the players now, it's only this week I've been doing, um, you know, um, setting up their wellbeing plans. And when I talk about engagement off the field, um, and it's been proving now, there's a study that Professor Levere has done with over 600 NRL players over three years, where it's proof and it's it's evidence-based that if you're engaged off the field, you'll stay at a club longer, You'll play more years in at the highest level, um, yep. less less off field incidents. Um, yeah, so and it's proven now. So the facts there. So when I share my story and say, "Hey guys, I didn't get that," you know, I, I didn't. You know, they've got money now. A lot of players get a lot of money in their contract to actually go and yep. um, and study. You know, so to be able to guide them down that path and say, "Look, you know, I don't want you to go and where you work for." You know, I had a I've got an 11-year-old daughter. For the first nine years of her life, um, I had to go and work FIFO work. So I was missing birthdays. I was missing, um, you know, I miss Christmases, you know, yeah. Easter, you know, yeah. you know, graduations from school. 
and I missed the first nine years of her life. And I think the turning point was I come home one day and she says, oh, Dad, when are you going home? And I said, darling, this is my home. That's my work. So, and I thought, okay, that's, yeah, I couldn't do it no more. So I don't yeah. want them to be like that. I want them to enjoy their family after they finish, you know, one career and their transition into another career. So, yeah, it's, it's you know, I don't want them to feel like, you know, what I've had to go through. How hard must have that been for you to hear too? That's uh, pretty um, pretty powerful. And and kids get it, right? They They say things just like straight from their heart. And often when we listen to that sort of guidance, it gives us what we need to hear. So one thing that I know from your story and some even some of the things that we talked about yesterday that I didn't know, but you do know what it's like to go on a journey from being a young guy with a lot of talent and a lot of expectation. And there's a few different incidents that played out in your career that really impact that. But probably the biggest one is living as the son of a great in in NRL, like you don't get a title like Lord Ted unless you're pretty handy, right? So so what was that like living, so growing up when people are talking about this talented player coming through and referring to you as um, Ted Goodwin's son? Yeah, look, at the time, um, you know, I was, I'm proud of my dad's achievements um, and it's only sort of now I realise because um, there's not a lot of footage when I speak to other people how good he was. Um, and he lets me know every now and then. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, like, I'm not going to lie, it was tough. I remember playing in a semi-final at the footy stadium and I was I just scored a try and I was kicking a goal from the sideline and, and someone yelled out, you're not as good as your father. And I thought, yeah, fair, fair call. But, yeah. you know, it is what it is. And on the flip side, you know, a bit like Aaron Rafer and, and, and Matty Rogers, we are quite lucky because our dads prepared our you know, did their best preparing us for, you know, the pitfalls and, and the good times and the bad times of, of that high-level competition. So, yeah, I'm not going to lie, it was tough. Um, but it's, you know, I, when I, you know, obviously with age, you understand, you know, your experiences and you learn from it. But uh, my dad was great, yeah. And I look back now and I'm, man, some of the stuff he could do on the field, like if he was playing today, he'd be, you know, it's, that's why people watch footy, you yeah. know. So, yeah. 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 No, he's, uh, yeah, he went okay. <laughs> yeah. uh, and so did you. And I, my memory of is when you, when you had a brief stint at the, the Eels and, uh, and I think it was the Sevens, was it? And you actually carved them yeah. up in that. That was um, – a mate of mine said – he's a Penrith fan and he said, uh, like, that, that they were talking about you as the next Brandy at that point. Let's like, how good you were going to the juniors. So can you share with us, like – what that was like in the juniors, but also that that big moment that you had that really changed everything. I'm sure. Yeah. No. Like I said, um, you know, I started young um, when I first came into grade. So I got signed from Perth when I was 17, and I went to the Raiders and pl- I was playing under 21s at 17 for a couple of years, and then yeah, so I was you know playing there and then in and out. Then they didn't want me after a couple of years, and that was my own fault. Then I went to Penrith because the reserve grade coach, Buck Rogers, was the reserve grade coach at the Raiders, but he went to Penrith. So um, I went up there for a midweek trial. So I, it's very unheard of. So I went for a midweek trial up there and, mate, I, I'm not going to lie, I, I scored about three tries and just blitzed them. Yeah, nice. yeah, so, yeah, no, it was pretty cool. And Gus was there and they saw me on the spot. They said, we want you to come. So, so Canberra didn't want me. I got dropped from the Jersey flag 
that year. So in wow. 1991, yeah, I played a couple of games Jersey flag, then they dropped me. So I ended up playing first grade down in the Canberra comp for Queanbeyan United. Uh, the Blues, sorry, Queanbeyan Blues. And then, um, yeah, then next year I had a midweek trial that year. The Penrith Simon, I trained the whole off-season, um, like with the reserve and first grade squad. And, and it's, it's incredible. And I, like I said, I, I look back now and think, wow, it's pretty big. So I never made the flag at the Raiders in 91. In 92, I come off the bench and make my first grade debut in the grand final replay. So in 1992, we played round one. We played the Raiders. Uh, Penrith played Canberra at Canberra. And I come off the bench and made my debut. And I thought, wow, I couldn't make your under-18s team. But here I am playing there. Yeah, but, you know, when I look back, it was probably my fault too. So, um, yeah. And then made a, a big thing. Um, it was 21st of June, uh, 1992. Um, so we'd played the Roosters in all three grades. And we'd won in all three grades. And the Roosters... Um, happened to be happened to come first in all three grades, so it was a big day for the club. I remember going back to the club after the game, and the NRL team, the players who were still there from last year's grand final, got awarded their blazers. I took off from the club, went to a, a local pub at Penrith with um, uh, three other players, and then we were driving to a nightclub in Mount Druitt. Um, yeah, and then uh, it was the night that. Um, um, ben Alexander passed away, so yeah, it was unfortunate. It, it was it was terrible, uh, real unfortunate. I, I was in the car, um, and I, yeah, it really hit me for six. Um, like being in the car, someone passed away. I literally hopped out of the car and didn't have a scratch on me. Wow. So I don't. Yeah, I, I'm blessed. Uh, you know, I spoke to my mum at the time. It's like, well, it's just not your time. I said, yeah. So. Um, yeah, so, you know, I reflect on it every year. He's, you know, it's not, he's in my thoughts all the time. So, and funnily enough, mate, I, it's, it's a bit eerie, but I turn up to the game. We were playing the Sharks. It was, happens to be the 21st of August, and, the, and I parked my car, and the first person I run into was Greg Alexander at the game. We just looked at each other. Yeah, you know, it was emotional, but it was cool. Yeah. yeah. It, just, it was eerie how it worked. <laughs> yeah, yeah, wow. Yeah. Um, well, there's something about that. But um, so – going through that moment, like, did, do you feel like it affected your football or just affected everything? Yeah, well, yeah, no, well, it did. I had a few months off because I'd hurt a few ribs, never broken, but I was just in a bit of pain. So, um, but, mate, there was no – I still, to this day, have never had any counselling about it. Like, there was nothing offered to me. But, I, I, and as I said, I'm, I'm not having a go at Penrith. They didn't know none the wiser. You know, um, and which which is cool, um, but now you know, a lot of things came change. There's a lot of education about this. You know, there's um, a lot of processes and systems clubs have in place now, which is great. We've come a long way. But yeah, no, it did. You know, I I never wanted to leave Penrith, but at the end of that year, there was like 25 players that left. It just tore the club apart, which is unfortunate. Um, but that's when I got my start at the Bulldogs, and there yeah, I had a couple of great years there. Yeah, awesome. It's amazing how all of these moments in your life that, like you said, then you didn't even get counselling, but you were no. able to come out the other side and keep moving forward. Mm. But I also guess it, it left some really powerful emotions within you, which is part of what inspiring you to do this work now, right? Yeah, well, and, and a big thing, mate, um, and if you know me, you'll know what I'm about to say, they'll, they'll get it. And, and I think the thing that affected me the most was 
I'm 47 years old and never tasted alcohol. So I went with the other three guys so I could drive. That's why I went. So I know Ben had a couple of beers at the Leeds Club. And then when we got to uh, the pub, he was drinking orange juice with me. We were playing card machines. There was no pokies then. They were like the old card machines. And I remember walking to the car and I said, Woods, I'll drive. And he said, no, 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 I'm sweet spook. And I said, no, no. He goes, mate, I said, that's why I came. He goes, no, I'm fine. Now, I wouldn't have hopped in the car if I thought, you know, um, he couldn't drive, you know. So, and I'm not going to lie to you, it really, um, yeah, like it it concerns me that people think, well, hold on, he doesn't drink. Why wasn't he driving? Ben was way over the limit. Um, So, yeah, and that's why I went. So that that was a big thing that affected me. Um, And I know... And I've spoke to MG about it um, and said, you know, because I was concerned with the family, you know what I mean? If um, if they thought that, you know, but no, he assured me it's never been brought up, and which was awesome. Now, it only happened a couple of years ago. I yeah, right. so, yeah, so. Um, oh, so you've been hanging on to that for, for that long? Yeah, a yeah. long time. Yeah. Um, and it's amazing how we do that, right? Like we, we, we think about different situations no matter how – difficult and dark and even just some simple things we create these whole stories in our head now i know this is a lot of the study you've done recently too around exactly that about how to actually help people to shift their thinking and so when you when you're doing this work now for the footballers how would you typically go about that if you're working without giving away any specifics how would you help people to to look at a, a moment in their life or look at what they're currently going through in a different way? Yeah. I think the biggest gift we can give anybody um, as a person in my position, even you, Ian, um, we've had some talks and that I really appreciate chatting with you, um, is your ears. That's our biggest gift, just sit there and listen. Yeah. You know, sometimes you don't even need to say anything, but they know you're there. You know, um, we, we've had some things happen in our club earlier this year and um, unfortunately there's a couple of players not there, but... You know, I'll send them a text still every now and just to make sure they're okay. Um, But in saying that too, um, we have a word we use in this sort of space. It's called outsource. So I don't know everything. I don't have all the answers, but I've got my little black book of people who do. So I outsource. Yeah. So it's about finding that fine line. Okay. Well, I've taken as far as I think I'm going to get. And that's when, you know, I, I put you in touch and mediate you know, some um, some time with other people. Yeah, I really like that point because I think it's important for people to remember that there's there's so many different ways and there's so many different people to guide yeah. and often we get trapped in this space of getting stuck on something but when you've got someone like you as like a conduit to all these different yeah. options and all these different ways to, to move forward, then that's really powerful. So I love that. And I know you are massively connected. I think I had to get you to drop someone as a friend on Facebook just to get into your circle. So. <laughs> I'm sorry for whoever that was. <laughs> Very good. Um, so can we get right back? So when, yeah. when you were a young fella, like what, what are your sort of memories of what that was like? Yeah, mate, um, like growing up, like born into a football family. So, I, you know, my, um, my brothers, uh, three brothers and a sister and another three brothers, so there's six boys, so... There was a lot of – everything was sport, everything was football. Um, so, yeah, it was pretty cool um, growing up. But, yeah, just mainly hang out with family, you know, just like a normal family. 
Um, I didn't realise my dad was who he was. He was, he was my dad. I didn't realise he was Lord Ted. Um, yeah. You know, he, in saying that, he would tell me some stories when I was a teenager to my mates. My mates loved him because he would always talk about his footy chips away and this is what happened. And I'd sit there, Dad, that didn't happen. And he would open up a scrapbook and word for word, the story yeah. would be, and so it really did happen. Yeah, wow. Yeah, so, but yeah, mate, not just like anyone else. You know, I grew up um, out in parks, um, five hours out in the Central West. Um, I went to a boarding school at Red Band where actually Chris Anderson went. Um, yeah, so mate, enjoyed my time out there. I thought parks was the only place in the world until I left. And I thought, wow, yeah, man, just growing up there was great. It was just, you know, sport and hanging out with your mates on the weekend. Went to Perth after that for a few years, and that's after there I got signed um, with the Rays. But I was lucky enough, and I'm, not many people probably know this or have ever done this, but my dad went over there to be set up for the Western Reds coming in. So he was working with the Western Australian Rugby League, but he also was a captain coach for a team over there. So oh, wow. my dad, yeah. So my dad, my older brother, and myself all played in the same team together. Oh, I was, good. <laughs> yeah, I was only sixteen. My my brother would have been a uh, nineteen, maybe, and obviously dad would have been like late thirties or so. But that's pretty cool, eh? <laughs> oh, did you feel like you had like a sixth sense when you were playing together? You knew where each other was going to be. Oh, yeah, but. Or I didn't listen much. I used to just play play footy, and <laughs> Dad would let me know if I wasn't listening. <laughs> oh, fantastic! Um, yeah, like we talked about this uh, a few months back, and about how like you were always really instinctive player, and you trust your yeah. instincts. And, yeah. and I was talking to you about how those instincts now are treating you so well in the work that you do, because so much of the work that we both do is instinctual. We don't always know the answer, but when we follow our gut and we follow our instincts, yep. we can get where we need to get. Um, I'd like to talk about your when you had that reconnection to some of your um, family heritage, because yep. I think it's important for your journey, but it's also important when we think about we live in a community that's full of a whole lot of different um, backgrounds. Like you think yep. about your clubs known for that sort of space as well. and. Yep more we can have an understanding of our own, like where we come from, then it helps us to really help others to, to go through that as well. So what, what did you learn when you started, yeah, finding more about your heritage? Yeah, it was, um, to this day, it's probably the, the greatest spiritual journey I've ever been on. Um, we have a thing in, in the wellbeing space, and, and you're probably aware of it, that we have a thing where we go, we deal with the past, we act on the now, and we plan for the future. So there was a lot of stuff in my past that I hadn't dealt with. And one of them was, was con- not reconnecting, connecting with my Māori heritage. Um, it's something I'm, I'm so proud of. Um, and, and, you know, even that far now, the, the family that grew up in Australia, that reconnect, they ring me for Māori advice or quotes or sayings, which I think, okay, great. You know, so that was massive for me. And I remember the first time um, I went back back to New Zealand and played in a, I was first time I was picked in a, in a uh, Maori team. So I went back to play and I didn't know, never met the family back there. You know, I don't even really remember my dad's mum, my grandmother. Um, so I went back there and I'm there with my team and a bus pulls up and I reckon about 30 people got out of this bus and just looking and then they keep walking over and they're smiling, they're walking over and the team manager comes, is this your whanau, which is family in Māori? He goes, this... And that's it, mate. I was in tears. I was a bubbling mess. But 
first time I ever met him. But you know what? It's funny with with married people and, and anywhere you go, we, we don't have a lot of money, um, but we have a bed. We have a kai, which is a feed, you know, um, for you no matter where you are. So, and that's the warmth and, and the spiritual side I, I love of our people. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, mate, it, it was a massive journey. And, and we have another thing in, in the wellbeing space. Um, I remember doing this course. So, we had to write a gratitude letter. So, it teaches you, you know, you know, being grateful for the things you had. So, you write the letter, put it in an envelope, and, and you ask to meet up with the person that you wrote it for and you actually get it out and read it to him. So just funnily enough, uh, one of my mates, so he, he was in that tour with me and he took me back and he was like my mentor and he, he showed me the protocols to walk on the marae, he showed me, you know, the different hakas, some language and, you know, dance, couple of stuff. So I'd never, and he knows how much I appreciate it, um, but I've never really said it to him. So I wrote the letter for him. So I'll never forget it. I sat him down in, in my kitchen, we sat there took it out of the envelope. I just started crying. I was a mess. Um, but he got it. Like, he just knew. He just Then we hugged. You know, we just – and that was it. So, mate, it's, um, it's something I'm so passionate about. I love it. And I love hearing about other, other people's um, cultures um, because, you know, with even our Indigenous brothers here in, in Australia, it's so similar. The cultures are, you know, so similar. Um, yeah. yeah, so – no, it's yeah, – like I said, it's – it's something that I'm, I'm, I'm very passionate about, yeah. I think the bit that I love the most out of that was when we connect with family and where we come from, there, there doesn't need to be any words, right? You, you yeah. just you feel it and you feel it in your heart and it immediately has you overcome with emotion, yeah. not in a bad way but in a, in a really amazing way to have you, yeah, just, yeah, it's like, the feeling of home, right? Oh, I go back to New Zealand. I've never lived there. Right? I, um, you know, Pricey has a go at me. He goes, I'm more married than you. I've lived in New Zealand longer than you. I said, yeah, fair point. <laughs> so we always joke about it. I said, but it's like I get off the plane and I feel safe. I feel like, yeah, I'm meant to be here. You know, and I go back to our mountain, um, Torpene. So we've all got our own mountain, our marae, our own river. So I go back and visit them. It's like, you know, and we're... Our um, mountain is where our people are buried, our whānau, our family, and it's the same mountain the Maori king and queens are all buried. So we've got direct descendants to them. So when I go back there, it's like, yeah, it's just, it's beautiful. And I love showing people. I love bringing my my mates and my my other friends and family and I show them, this is our marae, this is our mountain. You know, it's um, it's pretty cool and they love it. Yeah, wow. That sounds like something for the future. uh... Yeah treats there to help people reconnect that's amazing yeah yeah, yeah. well that's it and that's why i told these boys we said we're going through their um putting together their well-being plans now and one's you know about the nine different dimensions we look at one spiritual and spiritual doesn't necessarily mean you know the guy upstairs there's lots of different um uh, meanings for spiritual in the well-being space um that we teach and one of them is reconnecting you know so engaging so we have a lot of boys come over from New Zealand, so Samoan, Tongan, um, you know, Nui, Cook Island, so we're with them, and I say to them, you know, let's look at different classes, you know, let's reconnect to your people, you know, because that's one thing they miss, you know, when you talk to them about what's one of your biggest challenges, well, leaving home. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, not, you know, every Sunday we go to church and 
the whānau would come around and we'd have a feed and we'd play, you know, or sit around and talk now because they're older. But that's one thing. They said, well, how can we, what's one way we can make you reconnect with your people? Well, let's look for a local, um, you know, tongue gathering, you know, close to the Bankstown area, you know, because yeah. they're everywhere. And let's yeah. reconnect you with those people, you know. So, yeah, so there's a couple of different things we can do there, which is great. Yeah, fantastic. I love mm. all of those elements of your background just play in so beautifully to the space that you're playing. Yeah. Because, like, we, you would know, right, if you've, if you've actually walked that path, it's so much easier to, to pass on the lessons. Oh, like I said, I was a player, so I get it from that point of view. Um, coach, administrator, I understand what they go through. But actually, you know, Monique and I have this thing, We, you know, this is this is our new norm. Our new norm is not having our brother here going through what we've been through. But we're okay with that, you know. Believe me, we have some bad days, real bad days. But as a whole, we're good. Um, but to be able to share, we have a thing we also call lived experience. I love getting, you know, I could get doctors in to talk to the players. I can get different people in to talk to them but they love those people and they're engaged when someone's up there talking about their lived experience because it's actually happened. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, um, like we're, and we've planned, you know, to get some people in um, to talk to them about, you know, their own journey and just listening to their players. They've all got their own journey. Some of them are extraordinary, They're similar to mine. Um, but, yeah, it, I'm not going to lie, it does help. And when I'm sitting there talking to the players in the one-on-ones, they I'll tell them a little bit about my story, like, wow. You know, so, yeah, I'd like to think it helps, yeah. Absolutely. And I think ultimately every person has a story and, and they mm. just want to be heard. Like you said, the best thing we can do sometimes is to listen, to, yeah. to give an opportunity to speak their truth and what they've been through. So do you, I know Monique does a lot of work in this space too, do you actively work with her in that or does time not permit that? Yeah, no, both. You know, obviously with COVID, it's gone a bit quiet, um, yep. but we really want to vamp up the, the foundation. And I'm also a wellbeing officer with the Mena League. I give up my time free there too to yep. go and visit, um, um, go visit ex-players, ex anything to do with footy. And, you know, we, we I go and see them. They need money. We grant them the money. But, you know, and people say, oh, that's great. You give up your time. But I get more out of it than the people I go and visit. Like it's humbling. Um, it, it, it's gratifying, you know, that I get to spend time with those people. And at the end of the day, we, we love footy. So what is there not to like, you know? So I get so much out of it, just, you know, sitting there talking, you know, for I'll sit an hour, a couple of hours at a place and we, yeah, and you forget what you're there for because you're just talking footy and, you know, and if they're old, you know, I went and saw um, Bob O'Reilly, ex-Paramatta player. He um, hurt his ankle, uh, his knee. So he, went, he had a knee replaced. So I went up to the hospital and visited. So, you know, although he's from a different era, we spoke about him playing against my dad. And, yeah, so it's once you're in that rugby league family, it's you're in it for life. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, wow. Something that uh, just came to me then when you were talking was um, how much you get into your just flow and everything just becomes really easy and you light up. I'd, I'd love if you could maybe draw some correlations between – maybe some of those examples when you were playing where everything just worked out amazingly when you find the zone, right? When everything's just yeah. working and how that now shows up in, for the, in the work that you do as well. Yeah. So 
I suppose, you know, like I said to you before, you look at the nine different dimensions now in the wellbeing space with our players. We didn't have anything like that back in the day. So, you know, it was as simple as, you know, um, happy wife, happy life. Like they were just very simple things. You know, if your home life was happy um, and content, well, you're going to play good footy. You know what I mean? If it was uncertain or unsure and things were happening outside of footy, you know, it always seemed to affect how you played on the field. So, yeah, I'm not going to sit here and say, you know, mine was great all the time. There were, you know, different reasons. But, yeah, now I think the boys, you know, they've got so much education. There's so many resources that we can offer them that, like I said, we look at those nine different dimensions and we just make sure, you know, that they're okay. They're flourishing in the right direction. We're not going to, you know, and I think wellbeing's come a long way and, and you should know this too, that back in the day it used to be, let's look at all your negatives, Okay, but now we look at it a different way. Let's let's look at the things you're good at. Make yeah. sure we keep improving on them, and then there's some other things that I'm not going to say are bad, but we can improve on. You know, like you put a different, you know, um, bit of a spin on it. Um, yeah. So I, I think that's great. You know, and you know that doing what you do, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and and actually, I think a lot of like businesses, people focus. If you're doing a good job, you hear nothing. But if you're doing something wrong, then you get called out. Whereas sports a bit different, right? There's far yeah. more of that positive feedback and and direct and instant feedback, yeah. and that to the rest of our life away from it's so important. And it seems simple, right? But how often do we get to the end of a week and focus on the the two or three things that didn't go well, and that becomes our dominant thought for the weekend instead of looking at the the 99 things that that all went really well. So it's a, it's a, go on. Yeah, no, it is a cycle. It's like, you know, uh, we're having this, I was having this conversation the other day with someone and we're talking about, you know, when clubs recruit players. So you look at a player and you look at, you know, we know he can do this and this, but they say, oh, he can't do this, he can't do that. Well, let's concentrate on the things he can do and, you know, maybe our coach will, you know, our coaches will bring him up to speed in the areas he needs to improve on. I think sometimes we harp on the things that people can't do and forget about the great things that they've got that they can do, you know. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, but I, I think attitudes are changing a bit. I, I really believe that um, we're starting to look. So many good things in, in people. So let's start to help them, you know, keep flourishing in the right direction um, and help them, you know, along their journey. And then, like I said, yeah, we'll tinker with a few other stuff that maybe, you know, they can improve on. But, yeah, everyone knows you know, and I'm sure you do, you know, I've had, you know, it's some bad habits and that I've had to change and that. We all know that. But if you're telling me, Luke, you do this good, you do this great, you do this, I'm thinking, oh, I feel a million dollars. And then maybe we'll tinker with this, you know, in time. You think, yeah, yeah, no worries. You yeah, take yeah. more your ownership and you believe, you think, okay, it's not, it's not as bad as I thought. Yeah, you're right, though. We all have the habits. None of us are perfect. And I think, <laughs> Uh, in this day and age, we often see the perfection coming across on our social media feeds, but the reality is something more different. My wife said to me when we were going through uh, the lockdown and people posting their, you know, their ten-day challenges. She said, yeah. she, she said we should do a ten-day. This is what my life's really like challenge. <laughs> Some pictures of, you know, the 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 uh, interesting conversations you have with family when things aren't going as they need to and like could you imagine putting photos like that out there it would have been brilliant but i got a younger brother and i said to him, i said to him 
if I didn't know you, I'd think you were a playboy multi-millionaire that just travels the world. <laughs> and he just laughs at me. I said, mate, you're the best. The... And my mate said, geez, your brother's doing great. I said, yeah, if only you knew him. <laughs> He's the best. Uh, so it's quite funny. Very true. So you coach the, the Bulldogs women's team. What have you learned about yourself being a coach in that space? Yeah, well, when they asked me to do it, I was a bit, oh, you know, I didn't think I'd get back into the coaching. Um, well-being is where I want to be, as you know. Yeah. Um, so I said, look, I'll do it um, to help out. But when I finished playing, I did get into a bit of coaching over in the Sharks grades. Um, and I'll tell you what, I, I really missed it, like getting back into it and stuff. It, it's been great. Um, one thing di different than the boys, oh, there's a couple of things. The two main things are the boys have learnt rugby league since they were five. A lot of the girls I'm teaching now, or coaching, sorry, now, have probably played two years at the most. So what you take for granted sometimes, what they should know and what they don't know, um, yep. is, is, you know, it's a big gap. But in saying that, you tell them something, they pick it up very quickly and they're all wanting to learn. You know, yes. and I've got some good people like Pricey comes out, you know, I got Lisa Fiala, who's a dual international um, rugby union league player. So Lisa uh, heads up our pathways. She's part of the coaching staff. So I've got some good people around me and, you know, we just bounce off each other. You know, I'll take, you know, the, the ball stuff with the ball price. He takes defence. Lisa's there to critique, you know, the girls. It's pretty cool. When you started out in that coaching journey, like, did you find that difficult to transition? Was it like straight after you were finished playing? Yeah, it wasn't straight after. I coached some local clubs and then I, I started with the Sharks SG ball and did a couple of um, other Sharks teams, Jim Beam Cup and that over that way. Um, yeah, it, it was a bit difficult. Like I was, when I first started and I started coaching men, like I actually coached some of the some players that I played with, um, which was a bit odd. But yeah. The thing was, you know, to differentiate, okay, I'm not a player no more. I'm a part of the staff, part of the admin side of it. So, yeah, that was that was a bit different. Um, but I think just because I love the game so much and, you know, I had a lot of good people around me. Chris Anderson used to come down. He was a bit of coaching director when I, when I coached and I'd always go to him for advice and other people. So, yeah, but I really like, I actually just like um, passing on what I've learnt um, and, and, and teaching, teaching people new skills, you know, and like footy. I love footy, so it's easy. Yeah, and as you were saying that, what really was ringing out in my ears was when you do work that you love and it's related to what your journey has been, it becomes easy, right? And I know a lot of people think they get to their 40s and think, well, I can't change direction. But you have, you're a living example of how that's possible because you went from some pretty difficult roles that you were doing to, that served a purpose at the time. But when you put your mind to it, you're like, well, no, this is my space. This is what I know. And these are the elements that, I, that I'm an yeah. expert. Well, yeah. how can I take them to another level so I can actually, because you've literally created yourself a career here, a job no. that wasn't yeah. there not long ago. No, well, <laughs> I'd probably owe it to my brother and, and my fiance. So, you know, in better times, I, I wish it, it didn't happen. I, geez, I love him to be here, but it is what it is. But no, no, you're right. Um, 45 years old, I went back to the classroom and, and you know, um, got some 
some stuff going. Like I had the life skills, yeah, but I, but I didn't have those certificates to go with it, the tools and the resources yeah. to know what to do yeah. um, when 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 there was a challenge that faced these people. So yeah, I did, mate. I I did, and, and you're right. You know, I'd never looked at it like that before, but you know, if you're passionate about something, you know, it's quite easy to change that direction. Um, and you, yeah, because I, I don't know what I'd be doing. I'd probably still be doing FIFO work. So yeah, right. yeah, yeah, there's no doubt I would have would have been. So it's um, yeah, but like like you said, oh, it doesn't feel like a job to me because I'm that passionate about it. I love the space, um, you know, and I think that's. Uh, part of who I am, you know, I, I love helping people. Um, I've got family support, you know, we're planning to get married this year and obviously with the COVID stuff, it's a bit tough. So, yeah, like I've got some real good people around me and, and the people, you know, it's it's funny. When I first started footy, my one of my Buck Rogers, my coach said to me, he goes, when you finish, if you've got five good mates that you can count on your hand, you do, you did well. Yeah, but And I've got plenty. Like I, we talk about, a change in direction. So I've got a couple of mentors, uh, older guys I played with, um, David Boyd, he played for the Knights and, and the Reds. I played with them and Peter Gill. And, you know, I remember having a conversation with David Boyd one day and I said, mate, yeah, I want to try and get back into this space and do this space. And he said to me, have you ever thought about, you know, looking outside the box? And I said, well, what are you talking about? He goes, and that's when he first mentioned, have you ever thought about the women's game? Or yeah. look at, yeah, or looking at, rugby union instead or something like that. I went, wow, I never thought. And it just happened to be, you know, a couple of weeks later, I get the phone call of Price and said, hey, mate. Yeah, so it's sometimes it's right in front of you. It just needs that subtle, you know, touch from someone else, yeah. Yeah, that's so true. Like, we mm. could find our way ourselves, but it'll take us 20 years. But when we've got the right guidance there, and all they're doing is connecting us to something that they see already within us, right? Yeah. So that's... I love that example. So you touched on something really powerful there, which is there's always there's always light in the darkness. And so I'm, I've said that many times before as well. I would love my dad to be here. Yeah. I also know that like his passing was such a catalyst for me to make changes in my life. And for you to be able to find that light in that darkness yeah. is such a – positive thing not just for you but for your family and for the, all these people that you have impacted and now will impact because of what it's given you yeah well the story with monique and i so they're not i'm not sure if people know but um her brother chad robinson committed suicide too so a couple of days after leon passed we had a mutual friend and monique messaged me on on messenger and just said hey you know i'm monique Robinson, Chad's sister, she'd only been through it a couple of months before me. If you ever need to talk, uh, I think I rang her probably a day later. We had a chat, uh, which was awesome. And then, you know, for the next five months, we would text. Um, I don't even, I'm not sure if we even spoke, but just mainly text. She'd check in on me. I'd ask her and I'd you know, be days I'd say, I'm that angry today. And she goes, you're right. Tomorrow you'll feel like this. And she was right. So to expect um, to have someone who had just been through it and been that fresh that helped me through what I went through it was like, yeah. Like, and I look back now and think, man, I had some dark days. And, and I must admit, she was, I forgot how soon it was for her. And she helped me that much. 
And I think I, I sent a message one day, I said, hey, you know, I'd like to meet up and thank you in person. Yeah. So honestly, and it was five months though, I've never met her. So I, I met up with her. We, we uh, met up at a place in Lincoln, a coffee shop, and that's our place now. So we, yeah, it was weird. So we met up there and sat and spoke. And I still wasn't in a great place. I mean, we both were struggling, but geez, we had that one common bond. Um, and yeah, you know, and I said, look, thanks. And then probably a month went by and I met up again. And I met up again. And like I said, I was in that great space. I wasn't looking to meet anyone, was, you know, not even interested. And then I thought, actually, she's, she's not too bad. <laughs> and then yeah and then it just it exploded from there and we were both like you know i need to take this slow we're not really in the right spot and it's just you know man we just got everything in common like she loves watching the footy we'll go where are you? the footy's about to start she loves coming to games you know she supported me for a year and a bit when i had off with my well-being staff you know you know we we do stuff with the foundation and you know we're a few years in our relationship now, we just love hanging out with each other. I know that comes with age and we're different times of our life, but, you know, we thank our brothers. We've we got no doubt that our brothers brought us together. Um, I do get angry at her because I said, you know, you should have found me years ago. <laughs> but, yeah, like we're, we're just, we're blessed. We're so lucky and to, um, yeah, she's such, a, she's such a strong, good person. Yeah, I'm quite lucky. Um beautiful i think and again you would be familiar with this is that you may have felt like she was giving you all that help in a really difficult time but when you are being god and you're being the coach and you're helping other people you get the benefit of that as well yeah. like get so much of the healing as you take someone else through a healing process or journey or whatever it is how does that show up for you now when you when you see other people making a shift or changing the way that they think how does that really help you lift when you when you're helping people in that space you know when i love it the most dean i love it when people do it and then not looking for anything back you know like it's you know and i love the quote that goes um it's amazing what can be achieved when no one cares who takes the credit yeah. so when i see just little things like i see you know, and I sit and observe the players because I love to see their mannerisms and, and there's a lot of watching. So, you know, I see the guys who, you know, walk past a bit of paper and keep walking in the gym, a bit of strapping tape. I see the other guy who goes in and picks it up. I see the guy who there's toilet paper all around the toilets, go and pick it up. You know, so I know who's who in the zoo and I know how to work on the ones who need a bit of help. But then I, you know, you can naturally see the leaders at the club. So, you know, and it happens in different forms, mate. It happens, as you know, there's different ways that people show that. Um, but, yeah, the little things like that. Um, and, and, you know, I had a guy come to me the other day. We signed him up for a course. And that was one of my biggest achievements so far. And I've had four since, but that was my first that I've been talking about engaging off the field. We found his interest. We found what he wanted to do. And he goes, yeah, I'm, I'm ready, Luke. So that was a big moment for me. That was my first. So that was pretty cool. Yeah, that's mm. it good when when we help other people to to get what it is that they want and we do it like you said from a place of giving from our heart then it creates a ripple effect for them for us because it gives such a lift and i think that's something that 
in this time where we've had to slow down and, and there's been a lot of giving, I'm hoping that many people have really felt that, how good it feels to give and, and how the way we were living before wasn't working and we need to find ways to do more of that. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Um, and I think, you know, people are, I, I will hopefully they're more grateful now um, and being at home for the time we did with the COVID, with the lockdown, you know, we had to spend a lot of time. You know, I, I know when we're in the car with, you know, Monique's kids and my daughters and I, I'll, yeah, I muck around with them. I said, okay, tell me one thing you're grateful for today. You know, and we all have a joke around the car. And I, oh, I know this, this, this. What's one thing good you did today? You know, and they, they have a bit of a joke and we make a joke, but, you know, we start our conversation. You know, so it's, uh, and they all know, um, you know, it's a bit of fun, but, you know, it's good, good to hear that for me now, you know, I love driving in cars because that's when you talk the most. You find out what, you know, I love spending time with my dad driving on trips, you know, away. We go to the bush a lot where we used to live and he has a lot of footy things. And I, and he sits there and he just rattles off old stories. And I think, well, how do you remember that? So that I love spending time in a car because you can, you know, it's where you, you hear so much and you can get in that deep conversation with someone. Very good point. I actually learned that uh, early days with kids, right? They yeah. take walk same thing because they feel the face-to-face is quite intimidating but i think that's true for a lot of big kids too right like our age like the drive is a much easier place to do it uh it's more we feel more safe whatever it is so yeah there's definitely something to yeah. that when I, I, I at first did it with my daughter she was in kindergarten and we lived one side of wollongong and had to drive it to the other side of wollongong every morning and afternoon and geez we used to have some conversations in there it's the first time i really learned you know, about, these. wow, let's sit and listen. Prompted with a couple of questions and they just flow. Yeah. yeah. So it's pretty cool, yeah. They, they have a way of doing that, don't they? Yeah. Uh, going through some challenge with one of my children when they were quite young and the other one just pointing it out calmly that uh, actually it was me that was in the wrong and maybe I should be looking at this slightly differently. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. And it's... Uh, we, we've got so much other baggage and bias and yeah. all sorts of rubbish that gets in our head, but they just see it so much clearer. Yeah. Hey, uh, I'd love now, Luke, for you just to share anything else that you'd love to share for people who are listening, who have gone through difficult times, who have perhaps struggling to see that light, struggling to see the good. Like what, what sort of message would you love to pass on to, to people in that place? Yeah, the biggest thing for me is try and find somebody or even it's, you know, on Facebook or any other social media online, um, you know, there's a lot of places now where they have, you know, Monique and I are in, in family suicide groups, you know, because it's great to listen to the other stories of the people that have gone because then you'll think, well, actually, I'm quite normal feeling the way you feel. It's yeah. not just suicide. It can be any, anything uh, traumatic or challenge or crisis you've faced. So that's the biggest thing, like, talking to people who have actually lived what you've been through. Although um, our stories and journeys are different, there's one that, you know, the suicide is the theme or, you know, you're losing a loved one. That theme's the same. So I'll never say that my suicide's worse than Monique's and that because the way I deal with it and she deals with it, totally different. Yep. But knowing she she gets me. We're both lost the brother, um, yep. older, older brothers. And, and, yeah, so that was... Um, that's my biggest, biggest advice is seek that out there somewhere because you'll be very surprised um, 
and I think it takes a, a lot of weight off our shoulders. Definitely did for me, knowing yeah. that, you know, and, and the beautiful messages I got off people that I've known my whole life that have been through the same thing I didn't know. Yeah. You know? And I thought, wow, that's pretty cool. You know, yeah. not cool as in what had happened, but cool as in they understood and they reached out. So that's yeah. always a nice thing. And a simple thing, mate, just checking in on people. You know, yeah. it's such a, a little gesture, but geez, it, it does mean a lot at times, you know. we Just a simple text, hey, mate, I'm here if you need me. Hope everything's well. You know, I get the odd message off, off a, a, you know, a few of my mates now, and, and we always keep in contact. So yeah. that, that's, that's a big thing, you know, stay connected. It, it's such a big thing. Absolutely. I also know you get plenty of messages from mates who are having a bit of ribbing too, so it's important to keep the lighter side too, isn't it? Oh, look. Yeah, especially since I've been back at the Bulldogs, my mates, uh, I've got a few Parramatta fans. My whole household are Parramatta fans, so, yeah, so it's, uh, you know, it's very happy when the Roosters beat you the other night. <laughs> <laughs> very good. Um, important for us to laugh at uh, ourselves as well and just, yeah, keep it light. That's right. Luke, uh, thank you much, very much for sharing so openly. I think there's so many powerful messages in there and I really appreciate you taking the time and energy to speak here. I also, yeah, I thank you for sharing those messages and, and those messages of hope and, and light and, and the difference that you're making in the world is, is really powerful. So thank you. Yeah, thanks, mate. And to you too. Like, you know, we're all in this together. Um, and if, like I said, we can help one person, we help a dozen, yeah, let's um, let, let people know that they're not alone. Yeah, so, mate, and I'd, I'll be pestering you, mate, chatting you, you know, I appreciate our phone calls and our chat, so. I look forward so, to it. No worries, mate. Take care. Have a good weekend. You too, mate. See you, Luke. See you, mate. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Grief Code podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Please share it with a friend or family member that you know would benefit from hearing it too. If you are truly ready to heal your unresolved or unknown grief, let's chat. Email me at info at ianhawkinscoaching.com. You can also stay connected with me by joining the Grief Code community at ianhawkinscoaching.com forward slash the grief code. And remember, so that I can help even more people to heal, please subscribe and leave a review on your favorite podcast platform.